speaking of that, I want to just bring a message from a very familiar portion of Scripture. I'm calling this today, uh, Forsake Not Meeting Together. And I'm going to share my heart with you, not just some Bible teaching, but my heart and a little bit of what I feel has been going on with this whole COVID thing. And um, so let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Here's the word of God. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Thank God the Lord is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, how do you spur one another on in love and good deeds? Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, the day of the Lord's return approaching. Now, I think you would agree with me that we are seeing the day of the Lord's return approaching. I spoke on it last time. And I think very soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Jesus could come at any moment. So that's why this passage is so relevant to us today. He said, as you see the day approaching, as you see the return of Christ drawing closer and closer, be sure you meet together and encourage one another uh, to, to love, walk in love, and to be involved in good deeds or good works that glorify God. Now, since it's been a long time since we met, I just want to bring you first a word of exhortation. First, let me talk to you about the value of meeting together in person. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, and we get ecclesiastical and that kind of, uh, those English words from ekklesia. But it means assembly. The, the word ekklesia means simply assembly or gather. So even the word church means to gather together. Gathering is a mark of what a church is. It's central to church life. It's what a church does. A church gathers together. We can say that gathering together is the oxygen that a church body breathes. Gathering together, fellowshipping with one another, saying hello to one another, praying with one another, sharing your struggles with each other, holding each other up, meeting together, ecclesia, gathering together. That's what a local church is all about. Paul said this about the body of Christ, which is you and me. He said, we are all parts of one body. We have the same spirit and we have all been called to the same glorious future. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. And each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now look at the mutual cooperation and the mutual ministry of every single church member to one another, to each other. He says, the church grows this way. It grows when each part in its own special way with his or her particularly unique giftings, helps all the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and the whole body grows and is full of love. So no member of the church can ever say, I'm not needed or I'm not wanted or I'm not relevant or I'm not necessary. No, every 
member of the body is necessary to the rest of the body. And we help one another grow. I need, I need my fingers. I need my hands. I need my feet. I need my ears. I need my eyes. Um, I need my little toe. I need my little finger. Um, even though a body part may seem inconsequential, they're all needed to the health and wholeness and, and full functioning of the body. So all of us are important to the body of Christ. But here's the question. How can each part help all the other parts if we don't meet? No, we've been called to meet. So we should all want to gather together and to meet. Now, thank God for online services. What a miracle we have, because if this had happened, uh, you know, 50 years ago, what would we have done? There, it would have been phone calls. That's it. There would have been no email, no social media, no streaming, no nothing. So thank God for the miracle of online services. They have been a tremendous help, and they are the major way that we stayed in touch with you. But unless you simply can't make it to church for whatever reason, online is not the same as meeting together, uh, seeing the smiles, sharing the struggles, praying for one another, and worshiping the Lord Jesus together in the beauty of holiness. It's just not the same. Here's what Jesus promised. His presence would be there when we come together as a church. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Not when you're gathered together for a football game, not when you're gathered together just to yak and talk, no, when you come together in his name to worship him, to be taught of him, to fellowship in his presence, then he says, there am I, I am there in the midst of you. When I know you've come together in my name, you're going to experience my presence because I'm going to be there with you when you gather in my name. We read in our text out of Hebrews that church gatherings are the places where we encourage and spur each other on to love and to good deeds. Church gatherings are where iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Think about that. Iron sharpens iron. When you rub two iron blades together, they grow sharper. And God says in his word that when we meet together as Christians, we sharpen one another. We sharpen our spiritual edge. We sharpen our walk with God. We sharpen our victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Even Ecclesiastes talks about the value of being with others to gather fresh strength. It says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Now listen to this. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. See, that's the great thing about church. When one person falls, others can lift them up. But when you're alone, what can you do? Well, the Bible says we need to be meeting together. It's an incredible privilege to be able to come together as God's people. Is it not an incredible privilege both to encourage and sharpen one another, to spur one another on to love and to good works that glorify God, to enjoy his presence together. Isn't that just a wonderful, incredible privilege we have in the United States of America? In fact, we have a freedom in Texas right now that as I speak, the church in several other states still doesn't have. 
And I'm not so sure it's all about COVID. And let me just share my heart with this and a little bit of my concerns. For instance, in California, the latest edict from Governor Gavin Newsom bans not just church services, but as of July 13th, all indoor services are banned in 30 counties, even in home Bible studies and fellowship. Let me read that last part again. Even in home Bible studies, in your own private home, in home Bible studies and fellowship has been banned. One California county has restricted churches from streaming worship, singing, and the playing, get this, the playing of wind instruments in online, not, uh, not in sanctuaries, but online church services. You're not to play a flute, a trumpet, a wind instrument, unless the worship originates from individual residences. You can't play a wind instrument in a sanctuary or in public. They have been commanded in California not to sing. Can you imagine that? Don't sing praises to God. Does that sound like COVID protection or more like an infringement on religious liberty? Don't sing, don't play a flute. Really, are you kidding? But that's what they've been told. You see, my concern is that a line has been crossed. And that if the church doesn't start standing up and speaking up and uh, regathering and, and really saying, you know what, we're not going to be told we can't sing. We're not going to be told forevermore that we can't meet. We're not going to watch our churches sit back and die. In an open letter to the president, several congressmen have claimed that many state and local government leaders are violating religious freedom. I'm going to read that again. The president has received an open letter from several concerned congressmen that many state and local government leaders are violating religious freedom. The overreach of some of these governors and mayors cannot be ignored. In California, Pastor John MacArthur's multi-thousand member church, along with his elders, have sensed more going on than simply wanting to curb the spread of COVID. They've decided to defy Governor Newsom's edict, stating, we cannot and will not acquiesce to government-imposed moratoriums on our weekly congregational worship. He went on to add that his congregation is protesting lies and deception for the sake of the truth. They apparently feel that other motives are at play in some of these restrictions and closings. Along with MacArthur, churchgoers across the country are reassuring their fundamental uh, constitutional rights, rights that too many political leaders have forgotten or are denying. I got to be honest, there's something about the COVID crisis that has always bothered me, always troubled me some. I know that it's real and I would never diminish the pain and the loss so many have experienced. I know COVID is real. But there's a double standard out there that makes me question if there's more happening than meets the eye when it comes to the church closings and the restrictions on religious liberty. I wonder if the enemy has gotten his foot in the door and is using the COVID crisis to marginalize God's church. Don't forget when the church comes together, Jesus is there. And when the Bible is preached and taught, the kingdom of God is advanced. Could it be that the enemy has hijacked this COVID crisis 
and is attempting to use it in many places throughout the country to stop the word from going out, to stop God's people from gathering together and glorifying Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom of God. It's a fact that many churches are being treated differently than other similar gatherings. I received a humorous text this week, and it said this, church notice, since 500 people can safely be in Home Depot, this week's services will be held in the plumbing department. Bring your Bible. Of course, we smile at that. But haven't you wondered why abortion clinics can remain open to do their dirty work, but churches that bring life and hope are closed? Have you wondered why protesters can march by the thousands in the streets with complete freedom, but church people still can't worship even in small groups in many cities and states? The COVID restrictions, it looks to me, are not one size fits all. In many places, they are discriminatory, and that should bother you, and it does bother me. Let's remember that religious liberty is so important that it's enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. It says in the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Catch this, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. But even though it's in our Constitution, we need to realize, dear friends, that this freedom is not ultimately given to us or bequeathed to us by men, but it's given to us by Almighty God, who told us in his word, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus gave us a mandate to exercise freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It's a God-given right, not a right given to us by men. It is simply men recognizing the God-given right in the Constitution of the United States. Now, I understand that some of you don't feel comfortable gathering for various reasons. But I also want others of us to be wary and to remember the passage in Hebrews that said, we need to be careful not to get in the habit of not attending when we could. Now, here's my little exhortation. I guess a little bit of a, a warning. Um, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is. I share these things that have been on my heart to encourage you not to take the liberty we have to gather for granted. Because this is an incredible freedom we have in the United States of America. You know, like they say, you never really know what you had till you lose it. And I think since so many of us now have not been able to be in church for a long time, we've realized what we had and what it feels like to lose it. And my exhortation and encouragement to you today is, now that we're about to regather, unless you simply can't come or you just don't have a, a comfort level uh, to regather due to the COVID issue, I, I want to just encourage most of you to not take for granted the liberty that we have and not let it easily be taken away. You know, as I speak, millions of Christians around the world would give anything for the freedom to openly gather for church. Christians in China, I was reading recently, have been forced underground by fresh persecution. Their churches have been seized, boarded up, and some even burned down by their own government. If you were living in China, you would give anything for the freedom nationally 
to meet and gather in church gatherings. In Muslim countries, you don't even need to pray about it. You, you, you cannot meet. They would give anything to be able to meet. But nobody can meet as a Christian church in Muslim countries. Believers meet at risk for their very lives. They don't have the freedom we have. They don't have the constitution we have. They don't have the ability to gather together in a place that their church has bought and to worship the Lord and send out missionaries and do the work of the Lord in freedom and in liberty. I'm so thankful that in America, we have been so uniquely gifted in our constitution with freedom to assemble. I believe that it's time to stand up and reclaim the joy and the privilege of gathering together as God's people. God forbid that we should allow this time of social distancing to steal from our hearts the habit and the joy of meeting and the incredible spiritual benefits that it brings. Or that we would easily give up the incredible freedom to gather to people who really don't want us meeting. Now, it may be a shock to some of you that there really are people that don't want churches gathering. Believe me, there are many And I believe some of them have been involved in these restrictions on churches. God forbid that we would bequeath our liberty to people who want to take it away from us. People who don't like the church, don't like Christianity, don't like the truth that we stand for. God forbid that we would easily let this go, this freedom to gather, this incredible liberty we have to come together and worship God in spirit and in truth. God forbid that we would give it over to people who have hated our faith and hate our God and hate the Lord Jesus Christ and would love to see the church shut down. Remember, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Jesus is saying, I've lit you like a candle. I have lit my church with divine light, the truth of God, the love of God, the salvation of Christ. My church is lit up with divine truth. And I have placed you visibly before the eyes of the world. And when you gather... Many, many, many different candles come come together, lit candles come together, and it creates a bright light, a spotlight. You know, we've all seen the spotlights when a new uh, larger store is opening up. They rent out those spotlights that shoot up into the sky at night and crisscross each other, and you cannot miss them because the light is so bright. That's a picture of the church of Christ the church of the Lord Jesus. He has lit us. And when we come together and our lights crisscross, it shoots into the darkness where nobody can miss it. And gathering together is necessary for that. No man lights a lamp and hides it. No man lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No, you you put it on a hill. We're a city on a hill, a, a city that cannot be hidden. So I encourage you as we regather this coming Sunday, August 9th, 9 and 11, remember these things. I'm, I guess I'm trying to put a little fire under you. Now, I know a lot of you are ready to come back. You can't wait to come back. But I, I want to exhort all of us 
to not allow this time where we have not been able to be in church to get us into the habit of sitting back and saying, well, I could be there, but I think I'll just wa- uh, you know, watch online and, and uh, kind of drink my coffee and, and uh, stay in my pajamas and do church that way. No, I encourage you, let us not forsake the assembling, coming together of the ecclesia, the church. Let us not forsake the assembling together as the habit of some is. But let's get together and exhort one another to love and to good deeds. Let's worship. I can't wait to come in here. Um, I'm looking now at a bunch of empty chairs, but I'm excited that next time I'm going to see hundreds of people in church worshiping God, singing loud, lifting up Jesus, and let's shine, folks, because our country is in a place where if there was ever a time, we need to be shining like those spotlights in the sky. It's now. It's now. Our nation needs the church to be the church. So I look forward to being with you. I hope this message has blessed and encouraged you, and I can't wait to see you at either 9 or 11. Be watching our website for further announcements, further instructions, and see you next time. God bless. I love you. Cindy loves you. The staff loves you. We can't wait to see you again. You have a blessed week. See you next Sunday.